You're listening to Private Suite. So we are back in the suite. My name is Rich, and joining me today, I have Andy. Hello. We got Uriel. What's up? We got producer Agnos here. What's going on? And we got a special guest today. We have Mike from Basement Labs. How's it going, Mike? Yo, what up, party people? Thanks for joining us here. Always good to have some new people here on the show. Yeah, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, dope. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, man. So how's it been going? I know we, uh, uh, Indy and I met you over at Electronicon 1. Yeah. Um, how's it been going since then? Uh, it's been pretty mellow on our end. Um, we, yeah, we took some time to recover after the tape swap and the Electronicon. <laughs> and then I've just been working on some stuff for the labs. I know it's we... We'll, we'll talk about this later, but we worked on something extra special and uh, private suite related, which I'm stoked to yep. talk about later. Yeah, we'll definitely. But yeah, you know, that. it's 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 been pretty mellow. We've got something kind of big in the works that we've been working on for a little bit. So like, we're like getting ready to get into crunch time on that. Cool. So, yeah. Sick. Nice. Are uh, are you guys going to Electronicon two this week? Man, I wish I. Uh, I I didn't know about it until the day of E1, and then, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's yeah. I didn't have any time to prep or anything like that. No one asked. Yeah, no yeah. one even even asked. I think like they they must have put the production t- together super fast. So yeah, it kind of got sprung um, up on a lot of people pretty yeah. quickly. But I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be super dope because you know if George and Chris are working on it, Chris Burden are working on it, then. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be super fucking gnarly. Oh, I can swear on this show, right? Yeah, Hell yeah. Okay, you're fine. Fucking A. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's gonna be a super cool hang. I wish I was there. I just couldn't swear. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Um I'm curious to see how it differs from Electronicon one. Uh, yeah. Just there's different people and it's uh second time around. So it should be should be a fun time. Now, yeah. at Electronicon 1, you were up on stage with Namesh, right? I was. So I, yeah, um, I saw that Mesh was looking for visuals a couple of, a couple of, maybe like, like two months before the show. They were like looking for somebody to maybe create some pre-made visuals and uh, in the basement labs, pre-made visuals. That's a that's a cardinal sin. We, we don't, <laughs> we don't endorse or support that kind of shit. So I, I hit him up on the sly and I was like, yo, I'm this cat. Um, I run this label. I do visuals. Here's my touring rig. Here's all the info. Let's make it happen. And mesh was like, yeah, dude, this looks dope. Let's Same. fucking do it. Yeah. Cause so. we were talking about that on the recap, how like that visual display was just absolutely incredible. And the fact that like you basically did it live, Oh yeah. It's just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. You know, thank you. Yeah. And uh, I heard that on the, on the recap and it, I gotta say, I put a, a little pep in my step, <laughs> but you know, it's like, like, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to come out swinging right off the bat, but you know, like most folks don't have like, like 
you wouldn't do like a pre-made DJ set or like, like, so why, like if, if there's the option to do visuals live with your live musical performance, why not go for it? You know, Absolutely, it's sort yeah. of in my, yeah, you yeah. know, and it, it just makes the whole thing feel that much liver, you know? Yeah. And, more and live. the aesthetic component to vaporwave is just as important as the music, the art and everything else. So that, yeah, it, it's, it, it, I applaud you for for putting on that display. Like, so what what do you do for those visuals? Like, I don't know what's in your magic That's box that you have in know. front of you to How exactly on that. Yeah, someone someone mentioned that they they saw that and we were talking to them. I can't remember who it was, but he was like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" and was like fascinated by it and couldn't stop uh, couldn't stop talking. About it. I think it was um, effectuate. Um, oh yeah, cool. okay. yeah, and he he was just totally enamored by it. Um, so like, I'm just really curious, like like what's in the box? Well, okay, what's so, in the box? Um, what's in what's the box? The, I'm gonna preface this by saying, so I've had this box. <laughs> I I've been putting video gear in this box to play live for like over oh, ten wow. years. Mm-hmm. So it's changed over time, but currently. And like, as I have, I have two live rigs. So I have a touring rig, um, which is like the, it's like super tiny and it's wireless and analog. And I can talk about more of that, more about that later. But then I have like the, 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 what I call the cruiser rig. So like, it's, that's the big case that I had up on stage. Um, my, I'm, I'm really into, so like I'm really into samplers and I'm really into like sort of like lo-fi hip hop and like finger drumming and, and okay. stuff like that. And Roland, uh, which is, you know, the audio visual mm-hmm. company yep. made this video sampler in the very early two thousands called the P 10 presenter. So it's laid out like an SP 404. Um, and it'll do MIDI in and out. It'll do line audio in and out. Uh, it'll sample on the fly, but with practically zero recall, I can load loops onto pads and I've got like, uh, I'm trying to remember. I've got like 32 banks, like, so 32 by 16 or 24 by 16. So I can load these loops and I'm triggering clips live. So there's no laptops. It's all gear. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm able to sort of like beat juggle and tap things in. I'm like tapping in the air and no one can see it. But, um, so it really is like a video instrument. It's like, you know, when, when somebody has got an SP 404 and they're like live triggering loops, I'm doing the same thing. And then connected to that is, uh, an Ederol, which is Roland, but it's Ederol is, is Roland's video arm, mm-hmm. uh, an Ederol V8, which is an eight channel, uh, vision mixer, like a video mixer. Um, but I have it sort of laid out like a DJ scratch battle mixer, like sort of the, the history of like the basement labs. So we used to hang out in Fox's basement. We had turntables and like a couple thousand records and we were like always like sampling stuff. So like I come from this DJ background, it's sort of like turntablist background. Um, so I've got the sampler in my left hand. I've got the mixer in my right hand. And then I've got a bunch of other sort of sneaky gear in there, but um, there's this cat named BPMC Drew Popper, who's like based in Portland, Oregon. It's glitchart.com is his website, and he makes uh, effects units for videos. So I've got this like 
it's like distortion pedals for video. It's got six six knobs on it, and it takes standard definition video, um, and each of the knobs is a different effect, basically a, a different corruption of the signal, and that's doing all the glitch stuff. So I'm like triggering video loops that are totally clean that's going to the mixer and then i'm mixing in the effects sort of like an effects end like sort of like king tubby dub style mixing where like you'd have like a mixer and you would have effects ends and you would send to like delays and stuff like that instead of delays i'm sending it to video distortion and there's a good that sounds so dope (laughs) yeah and then like so this this case like i got this case I grew up in TV repair shops and this case showed up in my dad's shop in like 97 and it was like an old camcorder case. So it's super beefy and it's like beat to crap. And like, I think like the camera that was in it just wasn't worth repairing. So I ended up with this case and I've done all sorts of modifications to it. Like I, I took a Dremel to the side and I have custom patch panels. So like when I get up on stage, I can just put the case on a keyboard stand and plug power into one side of it and HDMI in the other without opening it. And it'll boot itself up. And then I like, when it's time to play, I open the lid, everything's on, everything's ready to rock and I can video check and stuff like that. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll have to post some pictures cause it's like really, really it's, it's groovy, man. I love it. Sounds you know? awesome. I mean, it's like you created like this one of a kind device basically that can put on perform. You can use to put on performances. Like yeah this. and these tools look cool like the the, the roland p10 looks like a drum pad basically. oh yeah it's, it's just got a little screen on it it's just yeah. so crazy and it's funny like the day i got it i like pulled this like old hip-hop beat that i really like off of youtube and i like cut it into loops so i was just like like trying to test it out and see what the latency was like and i was like beat juggling like this old like backpacker like 90s hip-hop tune and I was just like, oh, this is so good. It's so fast. Um, you know, in like a way that like, like if you have like a really powerful computer and you're running like VDMX and you've got like a MIDI controller and stuff like that, like you might be able to sort of like juggle stuff as fast. But like in terms of hardware, it's just like it, it feels like an instrument. It really it feels like playing an NPC with like a mixer attached to it. Awesome. man. So, and yeah. this other um, the the glitch art website with with all these like custom units is also really really cool. Yeah, I think this that... other side that uh, of like just visuals visual arts that I just never knew existed. It's crazy. Yeah, it, you know it's like video dorks or gearheads too. Um, and like there's so there's like a couple of Facebook groups online. Like there's like uh, like a really famous one is uh, Video Circuits on Facebook, where it's just like 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 I thought I was deep into the gear and like really dorky about the gear. And there's people building like modular video synth modules from scratch. Like I went to hang out with a homie of mine a couple of days ago. Uh, She was playing a show and she's in the video circuits group. And she gave me a PCB that she printed and like, yeah, she was just like, Oh yo, I got something for you. And just like, here's this PCB. And like, I don't have any components. I don't, I don't own a soldering <laughs> what do I iron. Like, what do I do with this? Exactly. So now oh. I gotta, you know, I gotta buy all this stuff to start breadboarding yeah. now. But crazy. Yeah, but but Drew Popper, like I, I really can't 
say enough about that dude like lots of folks in the sort of the analog glitch art community use like the tachyons plus gear and there's like a couple of smaller shops on etsy that are doing really cool stuff but of all of the sort of glitch stuff i've i've put my hands on like like i am not kind to gear i play you know <laughs> when i'm like in show mode i play a lot of shows i'll play a lot of shows back to back i'm always like throwing these cases in the backs of cabs and like and like the bpmc gear man this stuff's indestructible like the construction's so good the bends are so good because none of this stuff is like originally designed to be like this it's all other circuits that are being repurposed so it's yeah it's like sort of like postmodern hardware design you know mm. it's like people are like sampling other legacy video gear to make new stuff which i'm sure it's we don't know anybody who's ever done anything like that re recontextualized intellectual property to, <laughs> to make new pieces of art Never heard of that. what an avant-garde concept <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, seeing all this stuff just makes me want to just go and just buy a bunch of old equipment and just start messing with it and just oh start, yeah it's so it. good like and it's so immediate too it's like like there's there's no render bar on a video mixer you know what i mean like i don't have to like worry about updating my premiere pro because my my <laughs> fake vhs plugin <laughs> might not yeah might not you know nice load up like i you know and then like oh the the last piece of gear that i didn't get a chance to play with at electronicon i just got this from a friend of mine who's a cinematographer the last part of the chain in the 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 cruiser rig in the big rig is an hdmi recorder it records directly to to uh ssds and it upscales to 1080p 60. Beautiful. so like i can run line level audio from whoever i'm playing with and have my video feed synced as like prores 422 which is like a, an uncompressed wow. video codec super high quality and just have um, it ready to go like when you're yeah done. yeah so i can just and and like and and since youtube is like a yeah like and youtube will just suck that up like it's like an industry uh like it's an industry standard codec it's really big so like it would take me a long time to upload it but i could literally take that file dump it onto youtube and have it up but i haven't taken advantage of that yet that's some next level shit i can't right. tell you how much i appreciate everything i went to school to be a filmmaker yeah. i did a lot of uh you know video work and patching and different signal mixing and it was a lot of fun but i kind of stopped exploring it there so like pony says yeah. kind of or like rich said or or podzar said whoever you know who i am <laughs> <laughs> i do have a question about the topic like my other yeah. main hobby besides vaporwave and music in general is uh video games and animation like I like listening to oh, people review that stuff and talk about it, yada yada. So how do you like get the clips and all of the sample media cleared without getting people on your back? You know. Well, that's a thing. Um, <laughs> I so for the for the mesh set, I went through a bunch of compilations, and this is kind of cheating, but you know. Uh, I, I went through a bunch of compilations of 1980s Japanese commercials because if there's anything that vaporwave folks like, it's Japanese right. stuff in the 80s. Yeah. Um, so I grabbed a bunch of those. Uh, they're like, you know, super saturated colors and like, um, 
just really high production value from that era, from sort of like the bubble era, you know, like just really gorgeous sort of like very lyrical um, commercials about things like VCRs and stuff like that. So I used those as uh, building blocks. And uh, what I would do is I would bring them into my editor. Like uh, it's uh, I, I work in Adobe Premiere, so I would bring them into Premiere and I have some grids set up, some like, uh, it's, it's like 16 bars. I'm trying to think it's 16 bars at, a, at 120 beats per minute. Um, so I would sort of retime the shots so they would be sort of like gridded. And then like when I would play them live, I have a, a tempo knob that I have sort of like hashed out. So I know like 12 noon is 120. So like a couple of degrees off is like 140 or like 90. So then as mesh was playing stuff i could sort of like tap tempo on the mixer see what the number was and sort of like dial the loops in so they would match um for like live retiming but so like that's an instance where i was like here's this thing i know meshes work but like i'm not super sure what he's gonna play you know because it's like a live environment and it's not like we we were on tour where it's like oh we've had two weeks of rehearsals and we've like you know, it's, we're playing the same set list, like 12 dates in a row. It was like a one-off. So I like sort of knew what the vibe was going to be. And I, you know, having never played with, with Alex before, I like didn't want to like get in his way at all. Mm -hmm. So I like, like any sort of like combined AV stuff. I like, didn't want to like, you know, cause it's like, we could have done something with like the eggs video where it's like, I played the video and took the audio out or something like that. So I just like tried to stay out that fool's way so he could mm. rock it and then just like get behind him to support it. I think um, that makes it like even more impressive that was all on the fly. I mean, yeah. like it wasn't even like, Oh, this is the kind of stuff I want. This is you know, like a kind of pre-planned, like this is like an idea of what I'm doing. You, you literally kind of like freestyled it with him. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of like jazz in a way. Like, yeah. like there's a, like a, and you know, I, I'll get this a lot. So like I've been doing this analog video stuff for a long time and every once in a while, someone will sort of hit me up as like a, you know, like visuals for hire, like, Oh, can you design me this thing? And I usually turn that stuff down, but, um, what I like to do is collaborate with folks when like someone gets in touch with me and they're like, yo, I really fucking love what you do. You want to like do a thing for this thing. And like, it's not really like, like there's no spec. Like I can just like sort of like listen to it and sort of absorb it and be like, well, here's what I see. Let's try this. Um, that's like kind of the stuff that I try to do. Uh, I lost my train of thought, but yeah. So <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I sort of play the role of the side man. Oh, you know, and that's the other thing too. Like, uh, I feel like a lot of visual folks like end up sort of like the back of the venue, sort of like tucked in a corner, like over by like, you know, the, the front of house engineer or something like that. Yeah. And I like, I'm not that cat. When I first started doing projections, like live projections, uh, I was in a band called angel spit. Uh, they were on metropolis records. I was a touring member for Sweet. them from like 2010 to 2012. Uh, and I played a bunch of shows with them. We did like a seven week North America tour in that time. I like my whole thing was always like, like Lincoln park has a DJ. Like there's like some dude who's up on stage who pushes like four buttons and then maybe scratches a little bit or like Deftones. Like, uh, um, the dude who plays keys in Deftones obviously is much more of a musician than I am. 
but like for a while there was like like that was like a trope in new metal where it's like here's this guy he's got like one flare like one double click flare that he does but he's like in the band like i'm up there and for every second of performance that's going on i'm playing something let me be up on stage give me a vocal mic and i'll do all the gang vocals and the choruses and stuff but like like it's a part of the show so like yeah so like you i know i'm a side man but it's like yeah it's still part of the performance so yeah i, I push on that real real hard and like yeah some folks don't think that but for, but for the <laughs> most part like you know they're like who, who the fuck is this fucking chubby punk dork up on stage like get the fuck out of here but no, no that, it's that like people added, really dug it that added so much to that performance from from the mesh I, i'm so glad that you did it i'm i'm really glad you explained how it was done because it was like i knew there was something going on in that box but I, oh yeah oh and i'll, I'll go funny. i'll go you one step further i um fucked up got stuck in traffic <laughs> um i was coming back from a like a personal thing and like had to get to the show and i met alex and alex's wife 20 minutes before we hit that oh stage. wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah God. i like i fucked up real bad i like almost didn't make that show and i got there like i literally like slammed on the brakes in front of the venue poked my head out and was just like yo can i park here and the bouncer's like good <laughs> and like alex comes running up and i literally threw a box of t-shirts at him i was like here's your t-shirts go set up and like he went and did like made sure his his merch stuff was set up and i like fucking ran up there got my shit up and we rocked it and i'm i'm like yeah like that was such a that's probably one of the best sets i've played in a very long time like alex mesh is just so fucking it was sexy like and he was like super communicative like communicative while we were playing like i'd be like what's up and he'd be like oh this thing and like it it was cool it was like the yeah it was jazz it it really felt like jazz i was reading an article that was uh detecting the different types of activity in the brain when people speak versus when they improvise and do jazz together and it's like the same parts Mm. of the brain light up so it's people are saying it's a sort of language in a way which is really neat Mm. so you've been doing this for a long oh sorry go ahead oh no and i I was gonna say so like uh, on the jazz thing like i'm sort of a like i I started out doing like a lot of like industrial four by four sort of techno stuff. And then I got booked with some like harsh noise people and I started to play a lot of noise shows. And that's when this jazz idea clicked where like before, you know, I was just moving the crossfader, like, you know, on like on the downbeat, every downbeat, you know, every 16 bars is like, Oh, I got to change a thing. And it was like clockwork. And then now I'm like, counting in my head and there's polyrhythmic elements and there's like like it it doesn't always play but like there'll be almost like musical phrases in sort of the way i'm playing yeah it's it's like it it really is jazz it like is its own thing but yeah so you were saying i have been doing this for a long time yeah like i've seen some of your other shows you've been playing in new york and wherever over the years uh that's edutainment is one of them did you put that on? Oh man! Or so did that, you perform? Because yeah. I know it was with like Dream Catalog, Groceries. Yeah. So that was actually a release. That was like a VHS yeah. release. 
So uh, here, yeah, may, maybe we should take a step back. I'm not just a video dork. So, well, I am a video <laughs> dork, but like I also not run this label. So, um, I'm one of the partners with uh, with this cat named Fox. Who've like I've known Fox since we were. Oh man, how old are you in like sixth grade? Eleven. Like I'm in my mid thirties now. Like yeah, it's, it's fucking long ass time. Um. And, and we've been running this label together. This net it started out as a net label since 2003. Um, and about four years ago, we started doing VHS releases. And like our third VHS release was like a vaporwave release. So then we've been doing, we've, we've done, yeah, we've done a bunch of vaporwave stuff. But yeah, so the That's Edutainment show was, uh, we did a VHS tape called That's Edutainment. So one of the cats on our label, Shima, um had a bunch of tracks that were kind of great and kind of old that we hadn't done anything with and then um fox had a bunch of tracks that were kind of old and we took some videos like so when when fox and i were in high school there was this tape called um starting with safety i think which is like a, it's like a chem lab safety video. Like everyone of a certain vintage got to see this tape where it was just like, don't pour chemicals <laughs> in your eyes. And if something catches on fire, don't freak out. And like, there's this really famous scene where somebody has a broken test tube and they jam it into their oh, hand. Christ. And there's blood everywhere. And so like this video is like super boring and like really vanilla. And then like, there's this like moment of shocking violence. So like we were both like, we fucking need this tape. <laughs> so <laughs> we through spurious methods got our hands on a copy of it and quickly dubbed a copy yeah. of it and like brought it back and returned it before anyone noticed. <laughs> so like it was in the basement for like twelve hours and we're like sweating bullets, you know, and we're just like, oh fuck, we're gonna get busted. Um so around the time that that's edutainment came together. I got this text from Fox and, and homeboy was like, yo, I found the chem lab safety tape. And it was our OG from like 2004, like bootleg of this tape. So we were like, all right, we're going to do a new score. Like, you know, you're going to rescore this tape, but it's only like half an hour long. So we were like, all right. And then we had the, like, I had this like, oh, I got on the internet in 1998 tape. So Shima, <laughs> whose stuff is like, sort of like, vapor trap sort of blade runnery sounding stuff did like an alternate score for that tape. And when we put those together and it was two like edutainment titles on one tape. And then we did like a show. We did a show at playground coffee, um, groceries. Jordan was like a homie that I had like VJed with and he VJed on shows under a different alias with me mm -hmm. stuff like that. So he played that show. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Indy. Who else was on that show? Uh, was Elemental '95. Yeah, and Dream Catalog. Yeah, it was kind of yeah. It was a cool vibe. Like, also, it definitely, it says yeah. trilogy lo-fi hip hop shit. Yeah, so that's that dude Theravada who oh. just put out that '91 track mixtape. Crazy. That's like blowing up, and then so that's Theravada and. Oh man, I can't believe I, oh, this is really bad that I don't remember the other cat's name. Yeah. So, so, so Theravada is that dude, Zen Griffey. 
which I think is like the most hilarious name for a rapper ever. <laughs> um, oh, Rob Chambers is the other cat. So that that was cool, and that was like two cats. One of them's an MC, the other's like mostly like a DJ. But they both had SP four hundred fours, and it was like super lo fi and. And then, like, yeah, we, like, showed the tape and, like, you know, groceries played. Um, yeah, it was, like, a super, super mellow vibe. I had never done, like, a tape release like that. And I was, like, really sweating it. We had, like, a really great turnout. It was in this coffee shop that, like, used to do sort of, like, DIY shows before they opened. And they were in, like, this, like, sort of development hell for, like, a long time. So we did, like, a bunch of shows there. Like, so we were in a coffee shop, but, like, they weren't, like, serving coffee yet. <laughs> You know, like they legally couldn't, but they were paying rent on the space. So we got to use it and stuff. So, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, we've done a couple of shows like that that were like pretty dope. So what exactly awesome. is Basement Labs? Or so, I guess, a, yeah, is, is the old name for it Video Punks? Just to get that clarification as well. No, 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 no. Okay. So um, Basement Labs is the label. I was VJing with my partner, Hex Taylor, who, who recently passed away. Um, but uh, yeah, the two of us, like, so after I left Angel Spit, I sort of took a break. And then Hex got in touch with me and was like, hey, I really dig what you did with Angel Spit. Let's like, you know, let's do it. So the two of us got together as video punks. And originally we we're gonna do the vhs thing and that's why like the video punks branding is like on all the vhs releases but it was always part of basement labs and sort of like so i've got my thing going but like it all leads back to basement labs fox has their own thing going and that's under basement labs like when shima's around and has like stuff that doesn't fit with like other stuff like shima's always sort of like giving us stuff for projects and so yeah, like basement lab, it's like kind of a label, kind of like a, like an art collective, kind of like a, yeah. or like a milder, nerdier, psychic TV or something like that. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> where it's like, we've all got our own stuff. Like when somebody's off doing coil stuff and somebody's off doing like weird stuff with Brian Geisen, but it like, at the end of the day, we all get together and we all sort of put stuff out under this basement labs name. So you've been doing this since 2006. Is that right? No, so the label's been around since 2003, and then, um, and it, like, we were just, like, self-releasing our own sort of MP3 stuff, um, and then it sort of went dormant for a while, and then about four years ago, we started doing physical releases again. Mm-hmm. So, cool. yeah. And that was under Employee 6817? What, what? Ah, so Employee 6817 is one of the one of Fox's older aliases. So there was like, we really, we, okay. we re-released a bunch of albums that 68817 had put out. Um, crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like a weird tangled, like, you know, it's, <laughs> like ultimately we're just like a bunch of like stoner weirdos who were like, yo, let's like start a label. And like we did. And then we forgot about it. And then we were like, Oh yeah, we have this label. We should like, <laughs> something with it yeah so like yeah no that's exactly like i remember like hitting hitting up fox and being like yo i want to put out these vhs tapes should we do it under basement labs like i had kind of forgotten about it and fox was like i never stopped releasing stuff under it and and like fox would do like 
25 cassette tapes and just like leave them in thrift stores or like wow. uh so fox is like a super serious record collector knows tons of people from record stores and would like do like 150 cdrs and they would just be in like ziploc bags and like record stores all over the country and stuff crazy so like i like even i like cool. there's yeah there's like a ton of uh, like basement lab stuff that i just like haven't heard like every once in a while i'll be like oh yo i found the super dope thing and fox will be like oh i made that <laughs> i'm like what, what the fuck, <laughs> fucking crazy. martian awesome. yeah uh but that's he's my best friend. That's he's my best friend in the world. Like that dude's super inspirational. And like every time I get backed up against the wall, I'm like, fucking everything sucks. And he's like, we don't suck. I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking genius. So, good motivation right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like his history is like really gnarly. So like, uh, are y'all familiar with like, uh, like uh, I don't want to put this dude on blast, but uh, like Arnold Schoenberg. He's like a 20th century classical yep. composer. Very, very much. Yeah. So that's, that's Fox's like grandfather. No way. Wow. And like, yeah, wow. yeah. It's like super wacky. And then, uh, Fox is like the number one contributor to the Discogs database of all time. Like the, like the person wow. in the number two spot has like literally one fifth of the submission. Jesus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Like, yeah, dude's a machine. He's hardcore. Absolutely. Yeah. And still finds time to make like some of the gnarliest sort of plunderphonic. Oh, so that's the other thing. So we started out making sort of like sampled hip hop beats and we were like really into like Moax and like, like Fox got really into like warp records and like IDM. So like there's like Aphex twin stuff that's like verified that Fox had that's like not still hasn't been released and stuff like that. Like real spooky stuff. Crazy. Um, like live, like recordings of boards of Canada live sets that like no one officially knows that they played, but they played and we had like cassettes of it and stuff. Wow. Um, so, but, so we got really into sampling and like, I, so, uh, the first like employee six, eight, one, seven record, like full length is the human animal. And it's like, kind of vaporwave but like 10 years before any of the eco jam stuff and it's like yeah it's kind of weird to like go back oh that's an int- okay so that's a funny story and yeah, just so the way i i discovered vaporwave um i was playing a show and it was the first time i met groceries and so i was vjing with groceries uh at the show and it was like sort of left field dance music and Jordan and I are talking and Jordan's like, Oh yeah. You know, I kind of make vaporwave. I'm like, Oh cool. Yeah. What's that? And he's like, Oh, you know, this artist and that artist and employee six, eight, one, seven. And this cat whom I met 30 minutes prior name checked my best friend to me. And I like <laughs> had to run outside and call him and be like, yo, somebody just name checks human animal. And just like the phone just like hit the the floor and he picks it up and he was just like, Oh, what fucking what? And I had to like explain it again. Um Yeah, so it's weird. Like we've been in this like weird sort of like thunderphonic sort of postmodern music thing for like a long time. hmm But Sounds Yeah, like and it. then when I yeah, when I found like the vaporwave community, I was just like, My people. 
So yeah, how, how did you find that? Because I my I believe your first vaporwave production with Basement Labs was Pure Moods 2016. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, after so I met so I met Groceries and like um oh what was the first Groceries record? The like Thank You for Shopping Come Again or something like that. I can't. Oh, I should really look it up. For a while, like it would like people would talk about trying to get represses for it in the cassette community collective thing. And I would like always tag him. But anyway, so it wasn't yes. yes we're open. He gave me a copy of that record. Yes. We're open. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not, it's odd. That, that might be my favorite, like proper vapor wave taxonomic vapor wave album. of all time. Mm-hmm. It was one of my but, first uh, tapes. Yeah. So like I heard that and I started to dig and then, yeah, from there, like, I, I think I got added to the cassette collective when it was still like the cassette bootleg collective. Nice. Was that a thing? Did I imagine that? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I wish I was there. So, and yeah. And I started posting stuff and it's sort of like the p- hashtag pure moods 2016 started out as like sort of a joke between Fox and I, I was just like, Oh yeah. Hashtag pure <laughs> moods. And then I was like, wait a second, this could be kind of dope. And then I just like reached out and a bunch of people sent us stuff and it was great. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember who was on that first one. Cause we did three of those. We did 2016, 2017 and 2018. But I think like I got in touch with like Dahlia Faye who used to produce his image object. Um, and she's fucking amazing. She's super fucking cool. Um, Oh, what's that dick's name? There's this guy. He's a total asshole, but his music's really good. Uh, Ruben something or other. That power PC me guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. yeah. He Fuck was you, just Ruben. Wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> let me just, just quick shout out. <laughs> Fuck you, Ruben. No, <laughs> Ruben's a homie. And I fucking... Y'all have heard the new record. Right? Yeah. Oh, dude. It's so good. I have. I <laughs> I was, I've been bumping it for like two weeks. I know. Oh, it's so, so good. He asked me he was for just on the yeah. show last week. My opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Super lo-fi. So, so style. yeah, yeah. So whatever you do, don't tell Reuben that he fucking kicks ass because <laughs> I'm sure he'll he'll hear it from you. Yeah. Oh fuck, fuck you, Reuben. <laughs> um, actually, yeah, it's uh, I've got something coming up with Reuben soon, which will be kind of cool. I don't know if it's gonna be like a power PC me thing. I, I gotta talk to him about it, but yeah, I've got something cool, something very like very cool because like he's a fucking like people don't know but he's actually like a fucking filthy dj like he is really fucking good um and i've been djing for a long time so like i i've tried to like set up a couple of times where i could like dj with him and like sort of like back to back with him and like yeah so like yeah i'm looking forward to it i'm really looking forward to like gotta make it happen oh yeah yep um i'm trying to think of oh there was like some really tremendous stuff on that tape Phoenix, on all three of those tapes phoenix 27 yeah. 72 oh yeah and then and it's and it's wacky because it's like i you know because each one of those tapes had like 24 people on it or like you know like 20 people on it and i'll be talking to somebody other than yo you should fucking like your shit's really dope you should fucking put some shit out on our label <laughs> and they're like i was on all three tapes i'm like oh <laughs> fuck. um but yeah i fucking love those tapes why and the, did you, oh, did and then you the, go ahead oh i was gonna say the artwork yeah um, definitely yeah fucking liam from capital waste there's this like 
super gnarly Australian analog video crew called Capital Waste. And um, uh, they're in uh, South Australia and fucking like Liam's been like doing like super heavy analog shit for like stoner doom metal bands and like and then he he did all of the uh, like all three of the infomercials and like all of the graphics the motion graphics and they're nice fucking hilarious yeah did you ever that dude's super fucking cool put, go put, for it. put out a vhs for the 2016 tape yeah oh yeah you did and oh, it, yeah we did like care. 50 copies it sold out in like 12 hours or something yeah. like that six hours i have seven 2017 <laughs> and 2018 but uh yeah, there's a 20. Yeah, I like, yeah, I think we did like, I think 2017 was like 100 tapes, and then like 2018 was like 150 tapes. But I think, yeah, it's like, like that was our first like sellout in less than 24 hours. We did like 50 tapes, that was it. Mm-hmm. And then, so 2019 is coming up, right? You know, I <laughs> thought about it, but you know, like that was, that was kind of the, the joke where it's just like oh yeah what are we gonna do for 2019 and it's like you know so we did waterfalls and beaches we did like the whole like new hampshire tape like i kind of i've run out of interesting locale yeah maybe if i can source some like really great sort of like golf course footage maybe i can i can do uh (laughs) but yeah, you know, and it was wacky because, like, we put out that tape in 2016, February 2016. And, like, I feel like, yeah, there's been, like, a ton of, like, really fucking great Vaporwave VHS releases since then. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, yeah, this is, like, it just, yeah, like, a bunch of people were having that thought and, like, trying to put it together. And I think, like, we beat everyone by, like, two or three weeks. Because, like, um... Lost Angles or Bodway? Fucking Bodway. <laughs> Sterling, man. Sterling is such a G. He's I love point. that dude. Every tape that, that uh, Sterling and Josh put out was unreal. I have almost all of them. Oh, that's another thing. So when we started putting out VHS tapes, we were like, oh, we're the only people doing this, and this is fucking great. That's not the case at all there's been a long history of people that have been releasing like sort of like avant-garde stuff on VHS. Mm -hmm. So we immediately started to use proceeds from the label to buy one of every contemporary VHS release we could get our hands on with some notable exceptions. Nice. Um, wonder if there's a list uh, somewhere. I don't, I don't know. It's, but I'm, I'm looking at them. I have probably 150 tapes under my desk right now. Nice. Um, and the idea is we've like bought tapes full price. People have given us discounts. We've traded. I've meant to trade with people and people sent me their tapes and I forgot to send them tapes and I suck. If that's the case, fucking shoot me an email. But the idea is, um, most of this stuff are, derivative works either on the music side or the visual side so yeah. they're they're um they they really are in danger of being deplatformed and like you know most of the stuff is sort of designed you know like by nature it's internet art and internet art is super ephemeral so exactly we have the largest as far as we know we have the largest archive of contemporary audiovisual experimental vhs tapes 
um, and we're trying to find a place to donate them where they will be safe and can sort of be archived in like sort of a like a like a like an, a in an educational context, I guess. Yeah. Okay. You know, but it's like really, you know, because you know, someday SoundCloud's going to fold, and like who knows how long Bandcamp will be up, and like Reddit's like really like one lawsuit away from just closing up shop <laughs> you know knock on wood have you thought about um, archive.org yeah you know that's a, definitely an option um but then like archive.org only takes you so far because then what do you do with the actual physical media yeah you know Some sort and of it's museum. like yeah you know but like i ideally you know because a lot of these works were were really designed to be like even though technically they're internet art they were designed to be viewed as VHS tapes and presented as VHS tapes. So yeah. ideally there'd be a place where you could go if you're not a fucking douchebag and like pull a tape off the wall and put it in like a pretty well maintained VCR and like, you know, watch the fantasy deluxe tape if you want, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that would be beautiful. so yeah, we're still trying to sort that out. You know? Sick man. Yeah, you've done a lot of uh, different kinds of tapes, bunch of vaporwave. How did you hook up mm-hmm. with R23X? Wow, Mark. Um, I think because you did the regen, regen tapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did two versions of the regen. We did regen and regen plus, and then I think Mark did the last one through. Um, oh shit! What's Jeff's label? Um, oh, I forget. Yeah, let me, let me, let me look. I should have the tape very close by. Um, uh, let's see. Anyway, so yeah, there's like four R23X tapes. Sorry about the the police. Fucking Dan Mason. Hey. Oh. Did uh, they call the police on you again? Dan yeah. Mason. <laughs> Dan Mason called the police on you. Oh get you. man. Wait, wait. It's. <laughs> we're not going to start a rumor that Dan Mason's a narc, is he? Because <laughs> even if Dan Mason. If Dan Mason was a narc, we couldn't say it because that would make ourselves targets, obviously. Oh, God. Have you met Dan Mason? That dude's fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like, that dude is definitely the most intimidating person in Vaporwave that I've ever met. I'll get you. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Love you, you know what it was? So, uh, I remember. So, there, we did a couple of video art compilations, like the Video Art Is series. So, there was awful boring cheap dead yeah i guess that's as far as we got and then um i did some work on easy but i got distracted with other projects so i think i put out a call in video circuits so i would put out calls in the video circuits uh facebook group for submissions and it was like whatever you want in less than five minutes preferably single channel well, always always single channel but preferably analog but really any video art uh, and I think Mark got in touch with me um, and gave us something for a tape. It was like R23X. Uh, Picture Plane was on that tape. Uh, Ramona Vectroid gave me something for that tape. Ramona's super fucking cool. Mm. <laughs> no, maybe I know Mark through Ramona. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway, yeah. Mark's only, I hang, like, whenever Mark's in New York, I hang out. Um, I only saw like four sets at Electronic Con, and like I was like fucking like 
like my nose was almost on our 23 X's like gear table. That's how close I was <laughs> when, when he played E one and I just like stood there and just like stared at him. And it was like, it was awesome. It was like one of the smaller rooms and like the base situation in that room was hectic, was dangerous. It was so much low end and it was just fucking awesome. It was so good. Um, yeah, that was my favorite. Other than the other other than the set that I played, of course. Like best set of, of E one was uh was R twenty three X. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to see it. Well next time. That's yeah. right, I will. Yeah. Well, so we are forty nine minutes into the podcast. Uh, Damn. We, uh keep going with our uh you know, intro and this seeing is, what's going this on this is, week. This is great. <laughs> This is this is uh, no, an interview this podcast. Is, this is Fuck it. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah guys, let's what talk are, about um, what we're listening to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, uh, Andy? Why don't you go first? Uh, I've there's been a bunch of tapes that came out for Cassette Store Day, so I've been listening to those. Uh, you I, bought all of them, and yeah, I spent a lot of money yesterday, <laughs> but I wanted to hear them all before buying them. So I'm kind of like, okay, which ones are have, are going to sell out fast? And I'm like, okay, listen to those real fast. And then I've been so busy this weekend and I bought those. And then there's a bunch I want still that haven't sold out. So I'm just trying to get through those. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what are some of the highlights? Uh, asking. Well, Golf Audio Company released like 10 tapes yesterday. Damn. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, they were all like reissues, I think, or most of them for mm. Cassette Store Day. Like uh, that Betamax <laughs> tape by Computer Club. Uh, I don't know if you know that. It's here. Let me link it. Yeah, it's it's got yeah. that the uh, Asian lady sitting on the hardwood floor with with the keyboard, the computer keyboard, like eighties style. That's a really popular, uh, iconic record. That whole sentence was just so. Vivid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they did Fuji's Euphoria. That's a huge one. They did a vinyl for that a while back because uh, the tape did so well. And now you can get the tape again. Well, that's that sold out now. So, <laughs> uh, Mist's tape that I wanted really badly. Missed it. It's um, the one with what's her name on the cover, that actress. It's Green Eyes, I think, is the name. It's, she's got the green hair. What is her name? The The picture is from uh, that superhero movie where the guy thinks Birdman. Oh, the, oh, okay. A girl at the end when he flies out of the window and she like runs up to the window and looks out at him. He thinks he's a bird or whatever. I don't know. That's that's that that actress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christ put out a record, like it of his own stuff for No Lives Matter, or, or rather, he put out a tape. That's super cool because there wasn't a tape. I don't. I don't think there was a tape before that. Um. Yeah, there's just a crap load of stuff, man. I don't want to. I don't want to go through all of them. Oh, the yeah. chances record. The chance on business casual is a big one. That's one that I have in my cart still because it hasn't sold out. Big Wave put out a record. There's a couple on Palm eighty four. Yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> you got yeah. a lot of stuff coming to you. Nice. Well, I went to Dupe Shop yesterday and I picked up the. Oh, I said this on the other podcast too, but the Death Summit Dynamic Shroud Shroud live in Japan tape i need to get that cool i should have picked one up for you it's so amazing because it's uh, they might there might be a reissue i heard there was gonna be but i don't it's been a while yeah well they had them at electronic on one i wonder if there's gonna be any at two Mm. 
We'll see. We will see. We'll see. Agnes, what about you? Me, I haven't been listening to much Vaporwave this last week. I kind of went back and started listening to Enigma again, back from like the 90s, like the first two albums. Wow. And I, I saw um, something on Twitter. Somebody put up the commercial from like the first Enigma album. <laughs> and I had like, oh, dude, I remember that album. I used to listen to it as a kid in my dad's car. So I had to Fuck go yeah. back and listen to it. And like, man, this shit is so good. And then is um, that like ha- house like, music or what? It's oh man, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like Gregorian chants Oops. mixed with like this really funky dance music. It's like that whole like down tempo yeah. thing before people started talking about like electronica. Mm-hmm. Cool. And just oh, like yeah, the fact yeah. that that album had Simple, like a commercial minimal. that played on like basic, like basic cable, like blows my mind. Like infomercial. Yeah, style. it was totally like, infomercial style, and I'm, I never yeah. saw that commercial before until then. But I, I totally remember the album, and I had to take it take a step back. And then uh, I can picture it now. Link me that shit. I will definitely. Um, <laughs> and then like other than that, I've been listening to a lot of like uh, liquid drum and bass lately. I kind of been on that like really smooth Ooh. move. I, oh sweet. Yeah, I, I, I kind of listen to Liquid. What specifically? So, yeah, like like what's hip in the Liquid? Scene I right? honestly, I, I I'm terrible because I don't know the names. I I'm like the worst person because <laughs> I just put on like a Spotify playlist and just let it randomize, and then just oh yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> when it comes to Liquid, I, I'm I don't follow anybody. I just kind of listen like a terrible consumer. Not yeah, vaporwave stuff. I kind of like consciously like dig stuff out for that. Uh, definitely check out Etherwood. E T H E R Wood. Okay. Uh, You're going to love it. I swear. Etherwood uh, and Kino. K E N K E E N O. Nice. Yeah, those are some great artists. New shit. Definitely. I fucking love drum and bass, man. Like, like, I've got a a represent, like a Ronnie size tattoo on my my leg. It's like big. It's like six inches across. Nice. And I fucking oh man, I used to listen to all like the like the LTJ Bookham and like all the hospital <laughs> was it hospital records? Like, Hell yeah, hospital like London electricity like live sets. Dude, I watch like his that. podcast all like every month. Or oh, I listen to so it. He good. does a he does a video one once in a while. No shit. Oh oh yeah yeah yeah. And it's like hospital uh hospital records stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. As opposed to hospital productions, which is uh fucking super gnarly noise shit oh crazy yeah so yeah <laughs> it's one or the other but that's fucking cool yeah i got so there in new york there's this like super famous og drum and bass weekly it's been happening as far as i know every week since 97 uh called concrete jungle with a k oh yeah and it's yeah i i gotta get back in the habit of going it's on monday which is like kind of tough and then it was in the city and then, like, it was at the same spot in the city for like ten years, and then it just moved to Brooklyn. So I gotta like go seek it out and see where they're mm-hmm. where they're at. Oh, sounds so but, fun, man! Yeah, I loved Brooklyn. Just, I want to get back down there. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah, I heard you talking about it. Uh, yeah, there's definitely like there's there's many different Brooklyns, I think, but like, yeah. you know, it's definitely. it's massive. But yeah. yeah, there's definitely some really righteously cool shit going on so actually in brooklyn right now the coolest thing that i think um there's this like super lefty anti like anti-racist anti-fascist rave scene that's happening and it's like super queer friendly um but they've been uh i'm trying to remember the name of the crew and i'm blanking but they've been doing these 
anti-ice protest raves and it's fucking like the coolest shit in the world oh uh spoiler alert basement labs queer owned hyper lefty yeah i i know that there's some like conservative elements in the vaporwave scene and sometimes politics are a little verboten but we're like been we've been like fighting nazis and goth clubs since we were kids shit so like Fuck yeah big yeah. fans big big fans um oh fuck um i think uh it's like meltdown i don't know i haven't been to any of these parties but like all of my homies that are in the scene are like in the gabber scene have been like playing these shows and they're fucking a melting point melting if anybody point. is in new york and you're looking for a party melting point fucking support those folks they are the coolest fucking people doing the coolest shit in the world right now dope yeah well, let's go man well mike what are you listening to this week oh man where do i start um <laughs> i'm like looking at the wall of like recently acquired tapes uh, so Octonomy, who's like, she's, uh, I'm, I hope I'm not misgendering her, but she's like a rhythmic noise producer. She just put out this record called Warhorse on, uh, Thonic Streams, which is Derek Rush's label. Who's like a New York, uh, noise guy. It's fucking, yeah, the album's fucking amazing. Uh, I have this Cameron Day tape so cameron day is like a super minimal super mellow just like like playing like four track cassette recorders like through like 12 reverb pedals type of stuff cameron day like never leaves my tape deck usually i have to take a cameron day tape out of my tape deck to play something else and then the day goes back in um and then uh underworld so like the old like underworld like born slippy like electronica big b act has been putting out like a tune a week for like the past 18 months or something like that it's called drift okay and it's fucking unreal it's like super super good um one more time the new chemical what was that how do i find it one more time Oh, it's it's just called Drift. It's it's like up on Spotify. And then like if you go to the Underworld YouTube page, they've been like shooting videos. Like one is just like a like out of time footage of some guy playing bucket drum excuse me, bucket drums on the street. And like there's this like banging underworld tune behind it. You know, just mm-hmm. like super experimental. Sick. Um I found it. Yeah. So I've been going back and like listening to like boku fish like on loop (laughs) um yeah i actually don't buy a lot of albums but i buy a not even a lot like a bunch of vhs tapes so like i just bought this underworld music video compilation um that i've been watching a bunch and uh einsterzende neubotten's halbermensch so they were like a, a german like super leftist german industrial band from like the the early 80s and they did a film in japan with uh shogo ishii who like directed uh was it like electric dragon eighty thousand kilovolts and like a bunch of other like 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 basically like the folks who invented industrial hung out with the guy who like invented cyberpunk and then they made a concert film 
and it's got like butoh dancers and these like german dudes like taking angle grinders to televisions in like an empty warehouse it's fucking intense um but also fucking hilarious because like all of it's like really scary and grim dark and then these like goofy german like crust punks are just like having a blast smashing things it's like really it makes it feel good but yeah um and then like been listening to a lot of like stan gets because why not fuck it you, you cut, know sometimes you just got to play some jazz what was that you cut out a little bit <laughs> oh uh been listening to a lot of stan gets like gets gilberto those like two like really great bossa nova records because Zhao gilberto just passed away like a month ago i think so yeah i've been listening to like a lot of bossa nova nice yeah there's a bossa nova song i have stuck in my head i think i've mentioned it on a different episode maybe you can help me with it i'll hum it to you yeah you seem knowledgeable <laughs> Because I it was in a skateboard video that I watched when I was like 13. I still <laughs> oh. know it, and I only heard yep. it like for a month, a couple times. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So should we talk about some of the show uh, notes here? Whoa, 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 whoa! I thought you were gonna hum this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you don't want me to hum it right now. <laughs> okay, all right. Sometime I shall. <laughs> there's like there's weird sounds. It's like brikatakatobi. It's really interesting. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. Well, what do we got first? Uh, uh, there's an announcement from Cat Corp that Sunday Television is going to get a vinyl pressing. Cool. Very cool. We've been waiting for that for a long time. Uh, you know that record? It's like the Weather Channel one. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I've seen ads for it but I haven't actually uh, heard it. Yeah, it looks like the Weather Channel from the 90s, just like Retro Weather oh, Channel's yeah. broadcast. Yeah. And, uh, that signature signature look to it. Yeah, so the rendering for the, the, the vinyl it looks pretty cool. It's oh, just going to be an awesome piece just to have, just kind of like in your collection. It's going to look so unique. Yeah, there's not that much Climate Wave vinyls, you know? Alt Skies has no, a few. No. Yeah, this will definitely be the biggest one. To be released, I'm sure, just because it's it's Cat Court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm one of the juggernauts. I'm, so I'm I'm rather stoked. <laughs> yeah, check out the Cat Corp episode that just came, but just happened. <laughs> if yeah. you haven't yet, yeah. it's a great episode. Yep. There's also a mashup between Daft Punk and Maria Takeuchi. Oh wow! I saw you posted this and. What, didn't this come out in like 2018? Mm, I made. I don't think so. What's which mashup is it? Uh, here, let me link it. Posted three days ago. Where's this thing? Uh, but either way, it may, oh yeah, oh okay. So is the YouTube it? thing says 2018, but it doesn't matter, man. It's good stuff. Okay. Wait, um, does that mean that Future Funk has finally come full circle? that's awesome Uh, i don't know i mean this is i don't know this was just by someone who mashed the two of them together it sounds pretty good Mm -hmm. um there was uh some band just released like a future funk song a few months ago um i can't remember which one it was there's some some mainstream well-known group released a 
pseudo future funk song and it's like oh, oh did it finally go mainstream oh like, crazy I, yeah i i don't know like i'm kind of an old guy right and i've been buying dance music since 97 and yeah. like future funk has had like three other genre names in that time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what i mean like like if you look at ishker's guide to electronic music you can find a future funk at least three times so like as separate things and separate trees and separate fork, but uh i don't know all of it sounds good so but i'm not surprised i'm, I'm not surprised that somebody mainstream it's just time for another you know, name for future funk now yeah yeah you know. <laughs> like daft punk like how many of those albums went platinum when that was a thing that means like there's like literally multiple millions of copies of homework in people's homes and like people's childhood bedrooms that they haven't cleared out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the numbers blow my mind and that's, that's the funkiest future shit. Like, like that's, I, I still think homework is the gold standard for all future funk hot take. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, uh, I don't know. I'm afraid I'm going to like be walking down the street and young Bay is going to kneecap me. Or something <laughs> like, but <laughs> Yeah, it's just been polished into like a package with anime girls, basically. Yeah, but there was no anime girls. Yeah. Again, again, Thomas Bangalter did that ninety whatever with the uh, the animators that did uh, Galaxy Express nine nine nine. Was it Interstellar five 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 five? Fuck, you're so knowledgeable. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I just I. I didn't get laid till college, so <laughs> I had a lot of time. Yeah, it's been a lot of time on uh, forums there, just being like, "Well, actually, this is uh, Raga Jungle, and what you are talking about is jump up." <laughs> gonna have to keep you on with a retainer just to fact check. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's like Animal House and Big Beat, totally different genre. <laughs> oh man, amazing. Um, so Thank another story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From another story from this week uh, was the cassette tape shortage. Oh yeah, that yeah. is plaguing the United States supposedly. So, National Audio Company, which which is the company that I was talking about in the um, my pet flamingo interview, Indy. Uh, that's okay. like the the biggest company that's still producing cassettes in the U.S. So they're right. running low on. I guess some kind of chemical or some kind of it's fair yeah ferrous oxide yeah so like you can't make cassettes without it so you know they're kind of stuck right now but according to this tweet that was put or this this press release that was put out I'm not sure they actually run a Twitter but it says there is good news we've been notified that they will receive at least 11 tons of the ferric oxide in October oh crazy so they they're hoping to be back by the end of the year but I wonder how many right tapes now, that is. <laughs> no, it sounds it's, like a lot. Yeah, it's a shit ton, you know, because it's like <laughs> like a cassette tape is basically just um, it's like I, I don't know how many hundreds of meters of mylar uh, with a slight dusting of ferrous oxide on mm. it, and like ferrous oxide is iron rust. Yeah, that's what I, I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty appearance. nuts, and it's and it's functionally the same thing as DAT tapes, uh, LTO tapes, and VHS tapes. 
Mm-hmm. But no one cares about VHS. No one's <laughs> been manufacturing VHS tapes for a long time. Yeah. Bummer. But, what are you guys going to do um, if, if you're going to keep putting out VHS tapes? Like, what would you do if like the supply were to just completely dry up? Like, you can't buy any, find any more new old stock or well, to actually put anything on. Yeah, funny you should ask that. Um, so one of the things that we did really early on really aggressively purchase all of the colored vhs tapes we we could find like so any color shells and i like made all sorts of weird deals we once bought a palette like literally a palette of red vhs tapes so we have a tremendous amount of new old stock okay um but we started the label upcycling tapes and uh we will continue to do so so there's like a tremendous amount of stock that you know like used stock sold as blanks um so we'll buy up large lots because like one of the things so one of our sort of men uh at the basement labs because like a lot of folks are doing vhs releases but they're doing like sort of smaller numbers and they they tend to be a little bit more expensive and like Mm -hmm. really ornate packaging and like really expensive packaging and we've intentionally tried to keep our packaging really minimal and our price is really low um, to like lower the bar for entry for sort of like video art for VHS tape collecting. We're like trying to like push this notion of like you can buy art on VHS tapes because they're shelf stable for 25 years. And we're trying to get all this art sort of like distributed as like a sort of a global archive, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like we're trying to like make it so you can find it on our 23X tape in 20 years, pop it in a VCR and like all of Vimeo may have been deleted a long time ago and maybe there might be one, but you've got this tape that you want. And like, yeah, exactly. Um, the topic yeah, keeps coming so, up on this show. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's cause it's, you know, this shit's so damn good, but, um, yeah, I personally, as like a scummy punk rocker have no qualms at all about sort of taping over existing, media and it's like yeah like that's kind of the thing about vhs tapes like like vhs tapes tend to be a little bit more robust where like if you're copying over sort of cassette tapes like the the bandwidth like the you know there's like a lot less material the bandwidth like it doesn't really hold up to like a lot of like re-recordings for cassette tapes mm-hmm. but vhs tape it's helical scan like the the substrates tend to be super fucking thick and if you have a really clean signal path, you can like ostensibly create commercial grade dubbings onto these previously used tapes. Um, and commercial tapes tend to be thicker than home, sort of like like the home video new old stock tapes anyway. So yeah, this is like a thing that we've talked about. And someday we will run out of color shells and new old stock. But like, there's so many copies of fucking Titanic out there. Like, <laughs> just fucking, like, like no one's going to miss, you know, Batman Returns if we do. And like, yeah. you, and we've been doing like, like the way, like you can't source orange shells. So anytime we put out, like, so one of the tapes we put out is Richard Spencer getting punched in the face for an hour, where it's a <laughs> loop of Richard Spencer getting punched in the face, almost exclusively on orange tapes. And those are all Nickelodeon like Rugrats tapes, like Rugrats oh, in yeah. Paris will oh, buy yeah. it. Like I'll find like new old stock copies. Um, 
you know, I'll buy like 25 of them. They'll show up at my house. My girlfriend's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you buying all these drug rats? <laughs> exactly. And then, the, so, so I'm in New York and, and the yeah, lab is sec. now in Worcester, Massachusetts. So I'll get these tapes and then I'll ship them to Worcester and then they'll go out into people's homes with far right white nationalists getting punched in the face on them, which is like kind of great. But, uh, yeah, that's, you know, and there's like so much new old stock too. Like the demand for VHS tapes is way lower than cassette tapes. So oh, yeah. we're good. I, it's, we're more freaked out about um, belts for VCRs, to be honest, like mm-hmm. like sort of the main, maintain and upkeep. So I think we're a couple years out from being able to go to Urban Outfitters and buy like a shitty VCR. Um, whereas like, like I, wa- I walked yeah. into an urban outfitters cause there's one like four blocks from my house and I bought a Walkman one day. I was just like, Hey, cool. I'm buying this. And like when I bought it, like the person behind the counter was just like, I'll probably see you in an hour. And like, they were right. Cause they were playing back at the right speed. Like there was like something wrong with the belt. Um, yeah, those, and like any of the new yeah. cassette players that have come out over the past few years, like the real crappy, they, they've just been crap. I mean, they're, yeah, they're not good. And I, I've seen a few like on Kickstarter and stuff for people posting them and, you know, like, oh, it's going to be like a Bluetooth cassette player and it's going to have all these features, yeah. but like they're using such shitty heads to actually build yeah. them. I think that's all that's available now are these crappy ones from, from China or wherever that yeah. just sound like shit so you're never going to get that same quality unless you have like you know as a old vintage good quality cassette player yeah but then like the thing about like sort of like cassettes as an audio format like it's pretty much the same technology as the 1930s where you have sort of magnetic heads rubbing against magnetic tape Mm -hmm. and like it's linear and it's like so like if somebody really wanted to, like, there's not a lot of moving parts. Like, like really, the moving parts are in the transport mechanism. Mm-hmm. But, like, the actual, like, you know, like, and you can tune the capstans and stuff like that. But, like, where where the rubber meets the road on those things is not very difficult to, to sort of re-engineer and, you know, repair. Whereas, yeah. like, for a VCR, so it's what's called helical scans. So, instead of reading, so, like, if you're looking at a cassette tape in the, in the head's, it's split longitudinally. So like it's like a cassette tape is four track left and right for side A and left and right for side B. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, and there's a special cadence for it, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So there's like sort of maximum separation for minimum bleed. Um, but they are, the heads are, are spaced perpendicularly to the, the tape path. Whereas on a VCR um, to keep the bandwidth but to have them be pretty portable, we're actually reading diagonally. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's four heads um, that are on a spinning drum reading data um, sequentially but diagonally. So you're able to grab the f- first field of an image on one path with audio and then the second field of an image on the next pass with audio. So it's two data sets combined together for a single frame. So it's like you're you're basically reading this thing, this tape sixty times a second, and getting these snapshots of data. Um, which is it's like it's still analog, but 
yeah you know for for lack of a better term it's 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 data it's like um, more impressive yeah, to hear you know, it like that the, the tape mechanisms like the transport mechanisms it's, it's kind of a thing of beauty because it's like sort of like <coughs> origami is itself open in this way like all these sort of pinch rollers have to grab the tape to make sure that yep. the tape um tape tension is correct to read across the heads whereas like like you'll get a little bit of wow set and it's not that bad but when you get wow wow and flutter on a vhs tape you lose sync and you you don't get an image you can see it yeah yeah Hearing and that's about what this, tracking is oh this is like it. more incredible and more impressive than digital technology just to hear all the intricacies of how this actually works there's so oh. much like old technology that it's just like it's like voodoo like how like they were <laughs> able to figure out how to like yeah. make this stuff work like a vcr like who figured that out like you look at a carburetor for an engine it's like oh, oh we figured out yeah. that if we just spray just the right amount of of you know vaporized gas with the right amount of air it'll allow us to create an explosion that'll drive it like who came up like who figured that I mean, out on like it's on that note you gotta yeah. think these companies probably spent millions and millions of dollars in r&d just trying to figure out how to create these these machines that would be able to produce data and like I, format yeah. it i mean yeah. i was watching a documentary on youtube the other day like about how rca made a video vinyl that had mm-hmm. was able to play back what? yeah they have like a video yeah. vinyl player that has like <laughs> oh, it had so to stay sad. inside of this like cassette disc and you can't like expose it was, out or else it would fuck up the video and was that yeah. on uh tech mode yes actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah dude and that shit just blew my mind i'm like holy fuck who would like put video on a vinyl and then like it's one of the things that they spent a shitload of money on and then put them under because they were just too late but, i mean yeah. vinyls vinyls been around Video for disc how long so i mean mm-hmm. like you think oh let's get get you know think it was like video on this like, another yeah. form of 13 this years before they finally like release it and then by that time people were already putting video on tapes and so they were just screwed yeah i mean they knew in you know, when CDs came out that eventually there was going to be video on mm-hmm. them and there was going to be like a video com- a component to it. My parents, like growing up, we had a, a CD player for our, in our stereo and it was like a standalone unit. And it was just, I think they said they paid like 500 bucks for it back in the early eighties. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it was an expensive piece of equipment mm-hmm. and on the back of it. There is a, a socket for a cable and it looks like an old, keyboard cable not a ps2 cable but the um the one that preceded that it's a little bit bigger can't think of the name right now oh it's like a five pin din connection yeah yeah Yeah. but then next to it label for it it says for future use with video cds wow so it's like this format didn't even exist i think that's s video i don't know what they're they're planning on doing with it they just said yeah Yeah. let's stick this cable in here and like you should get video out of it at at some point in the future (laughs) well that's like so i um i i worked on film sets for like 12 years as a digital imaging technician so i was like Mm -hmm. basically like a digital loader instead of loading and downloading uh film mags I, I would be handling sort of like volatile media, like cards and stuff like that, hard drives from cameras. And I was on a shoot one time. We were in somebody's house you know, shooting on location. And the homeowner came up and she was asking me questions about what, what I was doing. So there was this kid on a laptop with a bunch of hard drives. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I copy all. She's like, oh, let me get my husband. So this old guy comes down and he's talking to me. And he was on the original team 
that designed the spec for MPEG-2 video. What? No way. Yeah. And he's that like is the coolest shit like, ever. Oh, yeah. It, like, blew my mind. I've been working on set for, like, two years or something like that. And, like, yeah. And it's just sort of, like, like, the technology, like, surpassed, like, all of our expectations. Like, I was telling this guy, like, data rates and resolutions and he just like didn't believe me he was like what are you talking about 4k resolution you, you, you how how can you like how can you store that much data wow was like oh we have these like wavelet codecs and just like broke it down he was just like i don't like, like when we were designing mpeg2 we were like making all these compromises exactly that anyone would have enough bandwidth and like yeah, yeah it's like super cool wow yeah when was that invented? Like, 95? Fucking, oh, had to be. Um, and like, MP3. You cut out there a bit. Had to be one. <laughs> oh, oh, it had to be like the early 90s. But MP3, yeah. the music format, comes from the same group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's all like sort of like stuff in the MPEG container, I think. I haven't thought about yeah. stuff in a while. A lot of those formats have been around for a long, long time, even before they they got mainstream. They were developed, you know, in the late eighties or whatever. And just the technology wasn't really around to actually do anything with it realistically or practically. So it's kind of sad that we went with MP3 to be honest, isn't it? No, I think it's fucking great. Cause it was like right in the sweet spot. You don't think Aug is better? Aug Vorbis? Sure. Um, Like, but, but the thing about like Aug and Flack is they're like really processor sensitive. You know what I mean? Like I remember, okay. like I know Flack is. Yeah, yeah. Like, like sort of. Well, you know, it's sort of like, um, and I don't like, and I don't know a shit ton about this stuff. But I feel like we would have changed that, by like, now. You know? Yeah, but like you know, for when lot, you're thinking for, about uh, like like back glossy. in the days where like every you know like like sub gigahertz process, processors and home machines like and every cycle counted mm-hmm. like the MP like you know and like in terms of like. Like, sure, like, AUG files have the potential to be higher fidelity and, like, a small file size. But, like, you know, it's just like with H.264. It's like when H.264 started rolling out and not everything supported it, you certainly couldn't, couldn't edit in Final Cut Pro with an H.264. And, like, like there was, like, I, I feel like it's sort of the same thing where it's, like, like, I think the encoding process for AUG was, like, a lot more processor intensive mm-hmm. and, like, yeah, there's something about just MP3s that are like really friendly and really easy to deal with. Mm-hmm. The other thing too is I I'm not super sure about AUG, but I know Flack supports like no metadata whatsoever. Right. Um. So like just being able to have all this verbose logging and like you know all like like what is it? There's like three dozen potential ID3 tag fields in the MP3 container. That's fucking genius, and all that stuff self-contained. Plus you can you can hide artwork in in that container i don't know if you can do that probably but certainly not with flag yeah um you know I mean, go go for it no for like for for 99 of people mp3 is is fine like they don't they don't care about the sound quality i mean like they're not able to tell the difference i should say you know i yeah. like having flack for all of my stuff and i i you know put that on my phone and i use that for my personal collection if i can but for most people, MP3 is is sufficient, and they could care less about. Oh, I can get a little bit more fidelity if I go to you know OGG or, or something else. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just harder you know, to work like, with because the industry hasn't yeah. really adopted it. But it looks like sure. Flack does uh, allow metadata, like 
Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see comment here, beer on the rug, description, genre, all that stuff. Oh, nice. So. Oh, you know what? It's it's I, I'm conflating uh, flack and and broadcast wave. The BWSF, oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. the shot WAV. For sure. Because that doesn't support any metadata whatsoever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. sort of like uh and and I don't I don't I don't want to make it seem like I'm personally attacking but I, I, I think it's kind of funny <laughs> when when people get really caught up in the flack thing for vaporwave when the vast majority of these releases yeah, are like yeah. home dubbed on cassettes. I'm yeah. a VO yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. But then like the other thing too is like there's this joke that we always tell. Um well, like, like it, you know, you you could have all of the sound quality in the world, and it's not going to make your shitty tune sound better. You know what I mean? Like, like if you can't if you can't write a song, like having it in like a lostless ninety six k sort of format isn't going to make your songwriting any better. Unless but you're going to dub it or something. Oh, sure, sure. But like, you know, if it's if it's just like a a mediocre idea, your execution is gonna be improved by the music transcends the know, quality. Yeah. I mean, for, like I said, 99% of people don't care about it, but the 1% who do are extremely passionate about it and everything needs to be perfect and, and whatnot. I don't know if yeah, you're familiar, yeah. like the the bootleg scenes in you know, various places are all kind of crazy, but I know I was, uh, know this one guy who is, he's a, a huge, huge Iron Maiden fan. Like, sure. like everything, every screen name he has is trooper this or you know whatever so yeah uh, super and iron maiden goes to you know shows whenever he can and he was telling me about the whole bootleg scene with them and people trading various recordings of concerts and everything and he says those guys will you know it has to be on a certain type of cdr you know recorded at a certain type of speed and if it's not they don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And and he's like, hey, can I buy one from you? It's like, no, I you need to trade me and give me this. And it has to be on this type of disc. He's like, dude, I'll, I'll give you money. 20 bucks, whatever, <laughs> for the time or, or whatever yeah. to, to burn a disc for me or something like that. Like, I know I just I just want to hear the show. And and those guys go absolutely nuts about the recording. And at the end of the day, it's still a bootleg recording of a concert. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, like like what's so, it gonna so, matter? Like, like that's the joke. It's like most people use their stereos to listen to your music, but audiophiles use your music to listen to their stereo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that is, <laughs> when you buy that, that is cool. That's when you funny. buy that $4,000 power cable, so you don't get like the, the, the crappy ions coming through the cable to distort oh, yeah. your, your, you know, music coming through your, you know, $800 speaker. <laughs> My wire. favorite is like the $10,000 digital cables. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, gold plated HDMI cables. You can get the best video. Yeah. Like for sure. Real talk. Most like so. I have a you know a couple hundred records, um, and I listen to all of my records through one of those Newmark PTO ones, which is like a shitty. It's like the portableist. You know, it's got like a built-in crossfader, mm-hmm. so you can sort of scratch <laughs> through the built-in speaker, and I couldn't be fucking happier. <laughs> most of the music I listen to at home, I I have like two alexas in our like studio apartment there's like one in like the main room and one in the bathroom so it's like mono fucking streaming from spotify through mm-hmm. this like speaker the size of your thumbnail and like I, I i know for a fact that i would not like the cramps any more than i already do if i was listening to it through like a sixty-five thousand dollars speaker system you know what i mean for the music you're not listening exactly yeah 
And this little scratch table is hilarious. Looks looks oh, great. I worry I though that stylus. Things. I don't like that stylus or that tone arm. Oh, oh well, that's the thing. So you can like the, these things are like super hackable. Um, oh, and yeah. like I am not a scratch detail by any any stretch of the imagination. But a lot of like ratings like the old aren't heads bad. That yeah. We used to hang out with. What's up? The ratings aren't bad. Oh yeah, no, they're fucking great. And you can like swap out the tone arms and get proper head shows. Oh, nice, nice. But one of the things that I want to do, mark my words, in the next 18 months, Basement Labs, I want to start a series of seven-inch records. Uh, and the A-sides are all going to be instrumental hip-hop beats made with battery-powered samplers. So like the PO33, <laughs> the fucking MPC500, SP404, 303202, and the B sides of the records are going to be portableist uh, scratch tool. So oh, it's all going to yeah, be seven dude. inch records with these like super tin can beats. So you buy two copies and like just fucking scratch it up. The name of that sub label is going to be Beat Kids. <laughs> I'm super into it. I love this. I've been like working on the thing. Uh, I don't know about that one. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, come on. It's just hilarious. It like, really that is. is but uh, yeah, like I was looking at lathes. Like a couple of folks I know have lathes, and for whatever reason, lathes aren't super good for tracking for scratching. So I think I'm just gonna fucking eat the cost and just like get seven inch stampers made and fucking just press, you know, two hundred copies or one hundred fifty copies. But Wild. yeah, going back like, to the um, yeah. good. No, go for it. I was gonna say going back to the um the VHS stuff that we were talking about. Yeah. Do you have any experience with any of the, like the HD VHS stuff that was experimented with at all before DVD came out? Yeah. You know, so I like the closest I ever came was HD cam SR. Um, so I worked at a post-production facility that would do digi beta and HD cam SR layoffs. Okay. So those were 1080 I uh, broadcast videotape mm -hmm. formats. Okay. So, like, if you watch Seinfeld on your local NBC affiliate in 2002, chances are it came off an HD Cam SR tape directly to broadcast. Okay. Or, like, you know, 2004 or whatever. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I've seen some of the, like, like the, what was it, like, DVHS was, like, the digital, it was, like, 720i. Yeah. And, not, like... I remember hearing, yeah. like, there was a 1080i vhs format that was kind of floating around there like there was never any kind of consumer grade cassette, yeah. you know vhs player that you would buy and you go to blockbuster run a, v a 1080i vhs tape or anything but yeah so like th that's interesting it's so, like any of like the if you see like seinfeld or something like that in hd that's come that was typically that came off of a um a hd cassette well yeah, yeah. So, like, at That's the awesome. time, or like, so that. when when I was working at at this post production facility, which I won't name, um, <laughs> because I'm a fucking burnout, Reasons. and yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so a lot of film festivals. So I was there in like 2009, and a lot of film festivals wouldn't play like like Blu-ray, like Blu-ray authoring was still kind of janky. HD DVD was dead ski already. Yep. Um, and a lot of film festivals would not screen from a file just because it like, it was an additional layer of like sort Failure, of like weirdness potential. with like delivery codecs. So, yeah. uh, film festivals like Cannes and fucking Sundance and stuff like that 
uh, you could either deliver a 35 millimeter print or you could do an HD cam SR hmm. um, broadcast master. So we would do a lot of that stuff where we would get these, these uh, files, these like Apple ProRes 422 files uh, that were massive for a feature film. And we would lay those off uh, through like a really high end machine to HD cam SR. And then that would ship. Or, and then, like, as I left that facility, we started to do DCP. Like, we would do DCP authoring, which is, like, if you go see a film in pretty much any movie theater now that's not being specifically advertised as a 35-millimeter print, it's uh, it's what's called the DCP, and it's a special hard drive. It's in a special enclosure. It's, like, EXT2 formatted, which is, like, a Linux formatting. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, a super encrypted, super high-bandwidth file where each frame is of, of each frame of the film 24 times a second is an individual TIFF file in a single. Oh, yeah. It's like oh. pretty fucking gnarly. <laughs> oh. And then like the color space is real wacky too. So it's in like this, like it's like beyond RGB. It's like, so it's like super high dynamic range. And then all that stuff is being updated, which is not a thing I interact with in my daily life because I make fucking VHS tapes. But, <laughs> that's that's yeah, cool, so, man. I'm super into that. But, I had no idea that those like that HD cassette thing was used up until so recently. Oh yeah, and like uh, yeah, you know, I have a feeling people are still making HD camisar tapes. They travel really well. I have, to you know, imagine. and it's like yeah. But so the thing about DVHS though, so by the time uh, HD VHS was coming out, you already had digital tape formats. So you had like DigiBeta. You had. Um, Digi 8, which was like the third implementation of the 8mm video. You had 8mm, or you had video 8, then you had high 8, and then digital 8. But more importantly, you had mini D, um, which was massive. Mm-hmm. Everyone was using mini D and the, the larger broadcast equivalent, which is TV cam. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they had that HDV format, which was garbage. Because like a DV tape, you know, if you string it all the way out, it's only like two and a half or three gigabytes. It is not mm. big for like a yeah. three hour tape. And then for HDV, they made some really serious compromises and were able to get the same. Uh, they were able to get a 1080i picture in the same bandwidth on the same form factor tape. So like instead of three hours of standard definition, you now had three hours of uh, high definition in like a single tape. Um, wow. and yeah, those were garbage. Like I hate <laughs> mini DV. It's just like, yeah. Well, like here, here's an example, like, like from back in the day from working with this stuff. Um, if you bought a Canon camera, you had to use Canon tapes and Canon deck. If you bought a Sony yep. camera, you had to use Sony cam, uh, Sony tapes and Sony decks. And that the only difference was there was no difference in the actual tape. Um, but Sony put lubricants in their heads on the camcorders and in the decks and Canon didn't, I think. So the Sony lubricant would fuck up your Canon deck and then Ooh. your Canon <laughs> tapes would be expecting this lubricant and they would be grinding against the tapes and you would get all these drop frames. It was just like really like really pithy sort of like not cool shit like that um like classic like late 90s early 2000s format oh yeah yeah 
you know i uh every once in a while like someone will be like hey you know why don't you guys put out like a mini dv album and i'm just like no no that <laughs> i can't i had a mini dv camcorder growing up and it was just same it was a pain to deal with i mean oh yeah and and just like to to repair them too so like uh so i grew up in a tv repair shop my dad has been a, a service technician he's been working with the electronics since like 1968 and like you know my my dad was still repairing camcorders up until maybe 2005 2006 and you would open up the the dv mechanism like he was the only guy in his shop he had like 10 guys working for him who could disassemble and reassemble these mini dv decks because they were literally like swiss watches oh they were crazy like, whenever you'd see yeah. i'd see it open it up it was like this it, it looked so intricate inside yeah. of it even more so than you know like the old giant panasonic vhs camcorder that we had this was like a little piece of machinery that was just like yeah you yeah. didn't want to you're afraid to drop it because it was just gonna it would shatter it yeah. to a million pieces yeah yeah <laughs> and like and it was nuts because like you couldn't just like 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 you would load a tape and you would like have to like close the mechanism but you couldn't push it into the camera because like no it was so fragile like it would have to like do it itself yep and stuff yeah she was super gnarly well but it's a format yeah. that we're we're glad to let die and, and not resurrect yeah in the name of art though i i gotta say like <laughs> I, i've definitely been getting nostalgic for it i'm looking at my shelf and then there's three sony dv camcorders up on it none of them work i i bought three lemons in a row and I, I got really nostalgic for it because i was watching like some like harmony corinne stuff and like I was reading a lot about sort of like the Dogma 95 stuff and just like thinking back about the mini DV look. Cause I like oh, Dogma yeah. 95, man. Amazing. Oh, right. Yeah. I've, I've been sort of low key writing a Dogma 95 script to be shot on high eight. Nice. Um, that just I want to do. For people who, who don't know what years. that is, it's where you have to make a film or you, you, you're going to make a film that doesn't utilize certain elements. I think there's like seven rules. So like only natural light is a rule. What are yeah. some of the other rules? Uh, so oh, you you have to shoot on consumer or prosumer camcorders, so you, you can't shoot film. You have to shoot in the Academy Standard um, aspect ratio, which is 4.3, which just happens to be what televisions are. Hmm. Uh, no, oh, and I always confuse these two terms. It's either no non-diegetic sound or oh, or no diegetic music, like like. Like if you hear music in the film, there better be like a, with an accordion on screen playing it. Right. Um, no background then, music. It has to be exactly. like part of the the film. Yeah. 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 And then music. no genre films. So they they like so like you couldn't do like a western or a sci-fi. It has to be like sort of naturalistic settings with naturalistic characters. You can't have like really ridiculous costumes and props and things. It has to be like and like some like really good examples. Uh, was it uh, Festin or uh, like Julian yeah, Festin, Donkey Boy? Yeah, yeah like Julian, Julian Donkey Boy was like the famous one. Um, I saw yeah, a celebration something about, or something like that. Oh yeah, that's like the. Uh, but yeah, Festin is celebration. But what, what's the other oh, one? Oh, that's uh, right, the idiots. Idiots. Is it the idiots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Check out some and Dogma those, 95, 95 yeah. films, everybody. Yeah. And then, like, you would have to, like, oh, and the, the last thing was you couldn't have, you couldn't put your name on it as a director. No credits, right. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you could have technical credits, but you couldn't take a credit yourself. Mm-hmm. As a yeah, and and so that's that's the guy. Oh fuck, what's that? Uh, Lars von Trier. So that's so Lars von Trier was part of the Dogma ninety five collective, and then he went on to fucking make movies about how he hates women <laughs> almost exclusively. But yeah, not a big fan. That got dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah There's some controversy like 10 years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, um, yeah. He espoused some, some pretty overt right wing and, uh, got kicked out of camp. They, his film was, they were saying his film was going to sweep. And, uh, the, the film, con- uh, you know, the, the film folks at can were just like, nah, we're not going to show this movie. Mm-hmm. You can't be talking that Nazi shit around us. <laughs> but I also think he's like very overrated. It's like, like, like him and like, Oh fuck. What's that dude's name? The, the guy that did, um, enter the void, a French guy. I'm looking it up. I should know this. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gasper. No, Oh, uh, Gasper, yeah, yeah, fuck that. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, not only is he a, a piece of shit because, like, people I know that have worked with him were treated like garbage by him, but, like, also his films are bullshit. I remember seeing Enter the Void in the theater, and afterwards people were like, that's the best film I've ever seen. And I, that's, I was, like, personally offended at how shitty it was. <laughs> so, and I'm no expert, but, like, fuck that movie. It's all fucking sunny days and rainbows over here at the basement fucking lab. Let me tell you. <laughs> I have to say, this has been very, very interesting learning about all this like technology stuff and, and how yeah. all this stuff is created. Yeah, we definitely have to have you on the show again. I think. Oh, it, I would love that. Yeah. I think we're, we're getting near to the end, though, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go like see this stuff like be produced. Like I, I always love just like interacting with old technology and stuff. So like this just this is just fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can give you the rundown of of how we make our tapes super quick if you want. Yeah, sure. sure. Let's do it. I dig it. So all of our so all right, everyone, take out your notebooks and your pencils. It's time to okay. start your own VHS label and move the culture forward. <laughs> is so, there going to be a test on this at the end? There will not, but okay, if you cool. don't start a VHS label in the next 30 days, I'm going to be pretty pissed, <laughs> all things considered. Okay. So so what it really comes down to is I, I create all of our broadmasters in Adobe Premiere um, using the DDNTSC codec, so it's just like a 4-3 standard definition timeline. Uh, we have a Blackmagic, we have several Blackmagic intensity shuttles, which are Thunderbolt video interfaces. Uh, that will do S video out with with hi fi like hi fi audio. They're like a hundred bucks used on eBay. They're fucking great. Uh, and then like I've got ten VCRs hooked up to power distribution amps. So a power distribution amp is it's like a video amp. It takes one input and will send out to four outputs. Um, and then we've been buying uh, DVD VCR combo units that have S video. So the reason our tapes look as good as they do is because everything in the chain is S video uh, instead of RCA. We don't we don't do standard RCA. And I know some people were like wow. trying to get some like coaxial yeah. cable sort of broadcast uh, uh, distribution amps, but we like super insist. Like I have a very specific set of codecs that I want in, in terms of the, 
no one can give me an H.264. It has to be like uh, broadcast quality when when we get it from our artists or when we generate internally. And then everything's dubbed in real. Uh, and we're able to make like 10 copies at once. Uh, and then everything's sort of QC'd as it goes. But like sort of the, the takeaways are like never take an H.264. Use like a really high quality interface. And we, we use them for capturing too. Like we won't do the USB H h264 capture cards mm-hmm. it's only like yeah. broadcast quality capture or or laying off an s video and you could be dubbing tapes tomorrow if you want so you can achieve that level of, of recording even with a consumer grade vh uh, vhs player yeah so the vast majority of of consumer vcrs are forehead which is like okay. sort of the standard like some of the cheapy ones like the like the TV VCR combo units, like, or even, yeah. So I've got this cheap Magnavox in front of me. It's a, it's a DVD VCR combo unit. Uh, yeah. So it's a TV, DVD, and VCR. And even that has four heads on it. It okay. really doesn't get much better than four heads. Um, usually the disparity between like professional gear and consumer gear is the type of time-based correction in it, which is like sort of like, like the tracking knob, like, like that's like some time based correction stuff. So it'll stabilize an unstable signal. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. I don't even know where you to head are like, you know, I always remember seeing VHS players growing up and they almost all said like forehead or yeah. forehead hi-fi, you know, whatever the marketing term was at that point. They yeah. Were using, but it, it, yeah. Yeah. So like sort of like on the consumer end, so like basically all VCRs are the same. It's like uh, if you really want to get into like the like the professional stuff, there's another format called SVHS, which is like a slightly higher mm-hmm. resolution, yep. um, more robust format. And like Techmoan video. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. So like SVHS. So like the idea was like your camcorder, your professional camcorder would be SVHS, which is higher quality than VHS. And then you would edit uh, with a linear system, which is an SVHS linear system, where it's literally two VCRs as your sources and one that you would record to, and you would type in time code. And you would be like, I want this edit to happen from time code to time code on deck A to go to the record deck. You would type in all these numbers, and then you would hit an edit button, and all of these decks were connected over time code like simply time code and they would actually like rewind and then they would play back in sync and then they would record at the proper rate. So you were like recording, like you were doing your edit in a linear fashion. Uh, so in theory with SVHS, you wouldn't have any signal degradation. Like, like there, there would be less generation and then you would do a VHS master and then there you go. Wow. Like before nonlinear editing, like before Final Cut. Mm-hmm. Lightworks and Media 100 and shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the TLDR of that, is pretty much all VCRs are the same. If you can get a VCR with S for an extra 50 bucks, fucking do it. If your monitor supports S, S- video. But Well, uh, Indy, Agnos, I think. I'm an expert now, so I think we are ready to go start a private suite VHS. <laughs> Let's label. do it. Oh, Fucking do awesome. it. It's taking do me it. back to my <laughs> early college days, man. Like, ugh. Yeah. I kind of wish I continued learning that stuff. Like all the terms you're yeah. throwing around, I knew a whole bunch of them. I was like, oh yeah, fucking that, that. 
I used to use yeah. HPC and HVXs and F900 cameras and all. Oh, it was yeah. crazy, but uh, Dude, uh, for another HVX, day. man. Pardon me? What a weird camera the HVX 200 was. Yeah. Because <laughs> it had the mini DV deck, but it wouldn't record HDV. I know. You could only record definition. Yeah, and it's weird how popular yeah. it was, too. And the P2 yeah. cards. Well, oh, fuck. Yeah. Did you ever see the inside of a P2 card? No. It's four SD cards with a custom RAID controller. Yeah, you know? not surprised. <laughs> not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but all right, guys. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up for tonight. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Mike, thank you for coming on. Uh, super fascinating. That was wild. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, super cool, Hank. Uh, yeah. Uh, we've got something coming up in November, so maybe we like maybe Fox and, and I can come back and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, in absolutely. A, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a feeling it will be particularly interesting to the private fleet crew. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you want to plug your socials? Know where people can find you? <laughs> yeah. So we're on Instagram uh, at the Basement Labs. Uh, Facebook is the Basement Labs. Um, you can shoot us an email at the basement labs worldwide at gmail.com. And then like uh, vxpx.info or the basement labs worldwide.com takes you to our Discogs page because we're too lazy to do an actual website. Uh, and then I think what's, what's the format for Bandcamp? Is it like your username.bandcamp.com? Yeah. Yeah. So it's thebasementlabs.bandcamp.com. We've got a bunch of stuff that we're doing for Christmas. So we're going to start putting some Christmas stuff up there. But we've got some tapes for sale right now. Uh, we've got some copies of Richard Spencer uh, <laughs> getting punched in the face for an hour uh, at a very reasonable rate of sense. Uh, Sun Doles, who's like a member of the collective, uh, has an album out right now called Life and Death at Home. It's like, super dark sort of vapor noise, dark ambient with uh, some analog visuals. So if you dug the vibes of the mesh set at Electronicon, uh, I think you'll really, you'll really dig this. Um, and then, yeah, we've got some other tapes. Like there's a, this project we did called my slow year asleep. That's uh, that was an Instagram project. There's also a VHS for sale on our site. All of those are probably red VHS tapes because we got to, Make some space, and we bought literally <laughs> six hundred of them. Jesus, man, <laughs> seven, eight hundred of them. So awesome! Dig it. Awesome, sweet. Yeah, uh, thank you, thank you very much for having me, y'all. Oh yeah, no, our pleasure, our pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agnos, where can people find you? Find me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, mostly Twitter uh, at Agnos Music, A U G N O S Music. Cool, Andy. Uh, Indie Advent with a D in the Advent. That's it. Not indie Avant, Indie no. Advent. No, no, no. That's Chorus Specs uh, record company, Avant. His other one. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at PHLSFO. Uh, for the podcast, it's at Private Suite Pod. For the magazine, at Private Suite Mag. Facebook.com slash Private Suite Mag. Uh, Instagram at Private Suite Mag. Patreon.com slash Private Suite Mag. We have the Vaporwave hotline to give us a call, 412-44-VAPOR, with all of your Vaporwave questions and comments, whatever whatever you want to tell us. Uh, maybe we'll sample it and turn it into an album or something. Who the hell knows? 
fuck That'd yeah interesting Hmm. Um, we also have uh, privatesweetmag.com uh, recently redone. The podcast now lives on privatesweetmag.com. So uh, no more separate hosts. Just go right there. Privatesweetmag.com slash podcast. You can see all of our episodes and links and descriptions and whatnot. And right all their there. glory. Yeah, all their glory. And Shout uh, out to Arme who subscribe. did a great job making that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Subscribe and the YouTube. Subscribe to that. Hit the bell, as they say. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. Smash it. Thanks for coming on, Mike. that notification bell. Yes, please do. (laughs) It it was awesome meeting you in New York, Mike, and hoping to see you again soon. Super cool hang. Like, like everyone at Private Sweet Crew is fucking total sweetheart. I wish we could have all... And cute to boot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hung out together for like a week straight to really get to know everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely next time any of y'all are in town, let's fucking kick it. I'll take yeah. you guys to get some real fucking pizza. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> cool. Oh, man. All right, guys. So I think that's going to do it for us this evening, today, whenever you're listening to this, who knows? Uh, so awesome. Take it easy. Have a good one. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening to the Private Suite Podcast.